Good Sabbath. Welcome to the house of the Lord. This is the last Sabbath day in 2022. It is a blessing to be here with my brothers and sisters worshiping together on this beautiful, balmy day in South Florida. Let us read together from Psalm 37, verses 23 and 24. The Lord makes firm the steps of the one who delights in him. Though he may stumble, he will not fall, for the Lord upholds him with his hand. He was in the Lord's presence on Mount Sinai, and the experience was so glorious that the face of Moses began to shine. When he came back down the mountain to the Israelites, they were afraid because his face shone like the sun. But soon the glory began to fade, and Moses did something a bit strange. He covered his face with a veil. Paul mentioned this event in 2 Corinthians chapter 3. Just listen to these verses from 17 and 18. Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And we who with unveiled faces all reflect the Lord's glory are being transformed into his likeness with ever-increasing glory, which comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. What a joy. Paul tells us that Christians living in the Spirit are free. We don't have to pretend that Christ lives in us. Why? Because we are being transformed into Christ's likeness, and now Christ lives in us. We can steadily grow into the image of Jesus Christ, but we must take off our veils. No pretending. Our lives can become reflections of our Savior.
Let us bow for our opening prayer. Heavenly Father, thank you for the song you have placed in our hearts, a melody that rings out no matter what our circumstances may be. We need your strength, especially when our voices are barely heard above the noise of our problems. We need your leading in the confusion of life. Sometimes we even lose our direction. We need your words of caution. The roads we travel may easily lead us to stray from the right path. And we need your encouragement as well. Your encouragement as we walk and our path opens up before us. Thank you, Father, that your desire is to give us strength and guidance and encouragement. We sing praise to you, O Lord, on this your holy Sabbath day. We thank you for being our loving Father every day. We pray that you would lead us through our problems, our confusion, and our mistakes. Lead us to do well as faithful followers of your way. We rejoice in your presence as you lead us and hold us in the safety of your hands. We pray in the name of Jesus, who taught us these words to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. This is the last Sabbath of 2022. It's a wonderful day that God has blessed us with just as were the previous 51 Sabbaths of 2022. I was out and about this week, and while I was out, I noticed how congested the traffic is. The traffic this week was frenetic, almost insane. What is wrong with all those drivers? Where were they going? I thought most folks were done shopping. Christmas is over. But it seems that people are never done shopping. They still have the next purchase to make, one more item to buy. You might think that since Christmas is over and people don't feel obligated to shop, then they could rest. But that's not the way most people are. People were out and about. There's always one more thing to do, just one more thing. Have you noticed that finishing one more thing seems to always uncover the next one more thing to be done? We live in a one more thing culture. One more thing and I'll have happiness and contentment. One more change in my appearance and I'll look good. One more change in my faith and it will come alive. Just one more thing and I'll be satisfied. Why do we always want one more thing? We envy. We envy status. We envy position. We envy the bodies of people who exercise regularly. We envy the relationship of others because they have wonderful relationships with their loved ones. We envy the money a friend spends on designer clothes. 
We, and we even envy spiritual gifts. If only I could sing or dance or teach or pray like so-and-so does, then I'd be what? What would you be? Would you be happy? Would you be fulfilled? I don't think so. A new envy almost always awaits on the other side of one more thing. It's amazing that this truth continues to surprise so many of us. If you get a new car or a new carpet, carpet or a new firmly toned body, would you be satisfied? There's always another person with some quality or possession that can arouse in us a dissatisfied desire. How much money have we spent trying to acquire the right stuff? Envy drains our spirits dry. Envy robs us of joy and energy. Envy can sap the life out of a person. The writer of Proverbs said it this way, Proverbs chapter 14, verse 30. A heart at peace gives life to the body, but envy rots the bones. Envy will devour your desire to be like Jesus and to have his righteousness. Pastor James, in James chapter 3, verse 16, wrote, Where you have envy and selfish ambition... There you will find disorder and evil practice. Now, I know what you would choose given the choice between a healthy body or a rotting body, a peaceful, contented life or a disordered life. I have no doubt which one you would choose. We want to be healthy. We want to live peacefully. If I ask you whether you want to pursue Jesus or evil... There would be no hesitancy in your answer. Yet, despite having been robbed by envy many times, too many of us continue to run after one more thing. Our culture has an excessive consumption problem. Our culture promotes greed and envy, advertising continually reminds us of everything we don't have. And when others seem to have more than we have, our yearning for things and for happiness quickly turns to envy. Advertisements selectively and unrealistically present a false positive. They bombard us with commercials showing happy people full of possessions as the norm. For instance, an advertisement might depict a woman driving a fully loaded BMW, laughing with her boyfriend at whatever seems to have caught her fancy. But what we don't see is the rundown studio she lives in because of her $1,200 per month car payment. We don't see how she hasn't spoken to her parents in five years, and we don't see the guy having, three relations, having relationships with three other women, the guy that she was riding with. We envied her 
after only seeing her through the microscopic lens of a nice car and a pleasant moment in an advertisement. But marketers never tell you that you can't have it all. They promote a society with materialism at its core. In our culture, a culture that no longer really believes in Almighty God, materialism has become a new God, perhaps the new God. Shopping has replaced worship. Think about it. It's true. Possessions have become the most valued component in life in our culture. Our culture tells us that something is wrong if we don't have things. A stylish car, a great physique, a prestigious position, a beautiful significant other. The message is loud and clear. The world tells us that we must deserve these things, that you must fight to get these things, because having them means that you are worth something and you're in control. Without possessions, without accomplishment and beauty, our culture tells us, that you are nothing. But truth and reality teach us differently. Truth tells us that we are not the sum of what we own or what we accomplish. God does not love a handsome person or someone who owns a yacht more than another person who re recycles aluminum cans just to get by. God does not favor members of Phi Beta Kappa honor society more than he favors those who struggle with learning disabilities. God does not prefer married couples to singles or vice versa. God never asks whether you are good enough. He decided that question long, long ago. God gave us an answer to our nagging questions about self-worth. His answer is that we need an intimate relationship with Messiah Jesus. No amount of money, no abundance of things can assure you that you are good enough, nor will any number of noted achievements. No degree of beauty or power or position can, sa can satisfy your longing to be good enough. But by God's grace, and his sacrificial love, he has declared eternally that through his son Jesus, you are good enough, just as you are. You have the right to proclaim this. No matter what you have or don't have, no matter what you do or what you don't do, you are good enough for Jesus. But we know the world continues to lie to you. Ads continue to attempt to deceive people into believing that unless we look like a beauty contestant or drive the right car or live in the right house, we are nothing. The evil one, Satan, is behind that deception. He whispers in our minds that it's not a sin when we become singly focused, narrow, with a narrow-minded focus on acquiring things. The evil one teaches that it's okay to focus on wealth unless we do something bad to acquire it. Those whispers are lies, very insidious. And our society has confirmed his message and embraced his deception so thoroughly that now toxic envy 
is not even recognized, even though it is blatantly everywhere. Our desires say a great deal about our values. Thankfully, God has wonderfully wired us with a great desire to, dis to discover the things He created for us to enjoy. And He also wired us with a desire to seek Him. The words of the psalmist from Psalm 37, verse 4, say, Take delight in the Lord, and He will give you your heart's desires. Now, even though you've heard this verse before, or been frustrated by it because it doesn't seem to be true in your life, let's take some time and med meditate on this remarkable verse. First, God does not condemn desire. In fact, He seems ready, even excited, to give us what we truly desire, what we truly long for. But something comes first. First, you must take delight in the Lord. God doesn't say that you must be tenaciously driven and grit your teeth and claw your way toward delighting in Him. There's no freedom and little enjoyment in having a relationship like that. Instead, learn to use each wave of desire as an opportunity to take delight in God and then evaluate what is truly significant. Ask God to sustain you and to help you find your satisfaction in Him. You may find that you've placed too high a value on a thing or a person or a position you may realize that sometimes you've wanted something more than you've wanted God. Have you ever desired the things that matter little, but desired too little the things that matter a lot? God can reverse that situation. God invites us to spend time with Him, to enjoy Him, to idle away time with Him and His Son. What did the psalmist say? Take delight in the Lord. But what about the second part of the verse? He will give you the desires of your heart. In essence, it says, run to God and everything else will fall into place at the right time. But, but, Pastor Michael, how can God say that? I've been trying to follow God, trying to enjoy Him, and nothing that I really want has happened. Really? Is that what you think? Well, I don't have a perfect answer for you. But I do know what the answer is not. The answer is not, try harder. If you really love God, you will have what you want. The answer is not, you probably want the wrong things. Those are wrong answers. Those answers lead to despair over our own efforts to love God. They lead to disappointment with God. But God has revealed some things very clearly. God knows what you desire. He wants what is best for you. And He thoroughly understands when, it's a, when it is the right time for you to have what you desire. The only way we can have confidence and live in the truth of Psalm 37, verse 4, is by trusting that the Lord is who He says He is. How do you do that? You ask God to show you what your heart really desires. Let me say that again. You ask God 
to show you what your heart really desires. Ask God to show you what matters much and what matters little. That's the place to start. The Lord doesn't want to bury your desires any more than he wants you to covet after them. He wants you to use your desires to teach you who he is and what matters the most. God didn't give you desires just so he can snatch them away from you and scold you for wanting something meaningless. That is not how our God treats us. He gave you your desires because he longs to fulfill you. God wants to give you things that will bring to you delight and satisfaction. But often, in order to do that, he needs to refine what you want. This is exactly what we do with our children. We hold things back from our children when what they want is not a good desire. For instance, I remember when my father had to help my sister see that it really wasn't a good idea, a good desire to keep a pet horse in the backyard. She had to get past that. We fall into envy and greed when we focus more on what we want than on the giver of desire. Did the psalmist say that the things you crave will make your life fuller, more peaceful, and more enjoyable? No. What did he say? He said, take delight in the Lord. It's almost like a romance. Ask God to reveal what your desire means in the bigger picture of your life. God knows and he wants to help you deal with your desires in a godly manner. His Holy Spirit will help you discern between godly desire and sinful craving. God, through his Spirit, will show you the things that matter much. And he will help you let go of the things that matter only a little. Listen for his direction and learn and enjoy and agree with him. And you will learn that God gives bountifully. He gives without ceasing. James chapter 1, verse 17 tells us every desirable and beneficial gift comes out of heaven. Philippians chapter 4, verse 19 says, My God will meet all your needs according to his glorious riches in Christ Jesus. The trouble comes when we see our wants as synonymous with our needs. And when we, when we see our desires as our rights and what we are due, we have desires that are God-given. For instance, being married and having children and, having, and living a happy life. These desires are not irrelevant. They are important to us, and God wants us to find a balance between acknowledging and obsessing about what we desire. That balance is important for us to enable us to enjoy our lives here on earth and have an authentic relationship with Messiah Jesus and the full lasting life that he died to bring to us. Don't allow yourself to fall into the pit of excessive consumption. That leads to a joyless existence. 
Don't choose to be consumed by chasing after things. Instead, choose to be captivated by your engaging, delightful God and lay your desires before him. Say to God, Lord, you know my heart. Your will be done in my life. And live your life with gratitude. Accept and thank God for what you have. Don't allow what is not given to spoil what is given. God has blessed you in so many ways. As the psalmist declared in Psalm 103, verse 2, Let all that I am praise the Lord. May I never forget the good things he does for me. And as we end this year, on this last Sabbath day of 2022, I have a request for each of you. Remember the many blessings God has given to you. Amen. Hallelujah. Oh,